I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man! We will strive for the deoccupation of the Let me put it to Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The throne went over the side of the first. It's time to draw it up in the Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? We knew that they were suffering in Ukraine, but we didn't realise that the situation was this bad because President Zelensky has come to Britain to ask for help from our government. How grim does your situation have to be before you're pleading for help from Grant Shapps and Suella Braverman? Zelensky had to ask for military planes from a government that lost all their plastic gowns during a pandemic. They handed out contracts worth billions of pounds to their mates who had never made anything before, in one case, to the landlord of Matt Hancock's pub. So if they do decide to help Zelensky, they'll commission Jacob Rees-Mogg's brother-in-law to make a fleet of fighter jets for three billion quid, and then he'll make an airfix model, but with the cockpit the wrong way round. And they'll order one typhoon bomber, but Nadim Zahawi will carelessly forget to hand it over, keeping it for himself so he can fly his cats around the gardens. It would have made more sense if Zelensky had asked other bodies for help, such as Berkshire County Council. They could have told him they didn't have any planes, But if Ukraine did shoot down any Russian MiG-29 twin-engine fighter aircraft, they'd happily clear away the rubbish on the second Tuesday in the month, as long as it was in a wheelie bin. Our government can't keep railways, schools, fire stations or hospitals open when we're not being bombarded by Russia. So all they could offer him was a tour around the Houses of Parliament and to shake hands with King Charles. When Zelensky returns to Ukraine and he's asked what he's got from Britain, he could say... Uh, he didn't give me any planes, but never mind, because I get selfie with Dominic Rab that he's put on Instagram, and I find out that Charles is taller in real life than you think. Next time Zelensky comes here, it'll be worse. Before he leaves Ukraine, Rishi Sunak will ask him, can you bring us some supplies, please? Yes, we're, uh, well, we're, we're out of ambulances and fire engines, so... If you've got any spare that you've maybe captured off the Russians, we'd we'd appreciate it. If you can pass them our way. The moment when Zelensky would really have to worry is when he's asked to meet Tory peer Michelle Moan. Because during the pandemic, she persuaded the government to give her husband's company a contract worth tens of millions to make protective equipment. So she might do the same this time. And then six months after receiving the money, her husband will say that the aeroplanes turned out to be trickier than he realised to build, but he has got several packets of balloons. And they should float about a bit in the air, which is much the same, so they're just as good. So I think the best way that the British government can help Ukraine is to say that they're on Putin's side and they'd like to help run his army. Because within a week, All his tanks would be replaced with a replacement bus service and his army would be finished. The new deputy chair of the Conservative Party is Lee Anderson, the bloke who said the poor can't complain because it's possible to make a wholesome meal with 30 pence. Now, most politicians become embarrassed because they don't know the price of a pint of milk, but he's taken it further. He should keep going and say, 
the poor could make travel easy, as it's possible to buy a horse for 85 pence, and it's easy to keep warm, because it's possible to buy a Caribbean island for £1.50. But this week, he said we should bring back the death penalty because nobody has ever committed a crime after they were executed. And this is true. And it leaves out the problem of worrying about whether the person you execute is guilty or not. Because even if the person you execute is innocent, you can be sure that they won't commit a crime after you've executed them. Now, to see this policy through properly, of course, you would have to execute everyone. I expect some people might complain that this was unfair, but if we want a healthy society in which we can guarantee that there is no crime, we have to accept that we should all be executed. This is the modern thinking we've been crying out for. What the fuck? This week, Boris Johnson gave an interview to our very own Nadine Boris on Talk TV. And we're lucky enough to have an extract of that enlightening conversation. Oh, it is! Oh my God, he's here! Oh! Good morning, afternoon, good... Oh, my God, thank you, Your Holiness. Ah, yes, uh, hello, Natty. Uh, you appear to be uh, dribbling as your modus operandi. Though I am Prime Minister, I have to dribble to regulate my breathing. Can someone get me a cloth? When I was Prime Minister, we had the greatest, the greatest cloth industry in the world. Oh, I know, Prime Minister. Oh, my God, Janine down at the grapes will be so jealous when she finds out who I've been handing out with. Oh, Prime Minister. Uh, if I may interject, I, I am not ipso facto the, the Prime Minister. Yes, you are. Yes, you fucking are. Don't take no notice of them treacherous slags. Now, I've got a question for you. You know those shithouses who said you were at them parties, Prime Minister? I know you weren't there because you are a party, Prime Minister. You're a great, big, beautiful mop of joy, Prime Minister. If you hadn't invented Brexit, we'd still be part of France. Ha! Uh, yes, if I may answer that. You should be Prime Minister of everything, not just Britain, but cows and the moon and all them other things. Are you coming back to guide us, Prime Minister? When are you coming back? Hopefully next week, if I've, if I've got a window. Touch my hair, Prime Minister, touch it, and I'll never get nothing. No illness or nothing. I'll drink the ink bar dry of white wine and not even fall over. This is the greatest moment of my life. Well, I think anybody listening to this now knows that you cannot possibly hope to even begin to work out what the fuck is going on with our expert advice and i'm very very pleased to say that we have with us uh, an expert on knowing what the fuck is going on someone who's very calm and measured and seems to be very much into it. a bit like what would it be like it's a bit like a noam chomsky joan bakewell that sort of figure but for the younger audience brenda Galuli. Thank you, thank you very much. What an, I've never had an introduction like that before. Yeah, they don't. They never did that on Blankety Blank, did they? 
No, they didn't. She's the she's the Norman <laughs> Chomsky of South London. <laughs> <laughs> they never did that, did I they? Wish they had. When they... It might have changed my performance. <laughs> For just one week, Blankety Blank was organised by the (laughs) Professor of Political Studies at SOAS. And so here's Lorraine Chase. They've called her... (laughs) They've they've called her the Simone de Beauvoir of the the beer adverts. You what? Going to Luton. Yeah. Dostoevsky, everyone. Philosophers galore. I met her at a party. She was very funny. About three years ago. Simone de Beauvoir. No, she didn't turn up. Fucking stuck up cow. <laughs> too fucking, too fucking yeah. feminist for here, aren't you? To leave Paris and come here. She didn't. She she famously didn't like South London. No, that's why I've never. As a I've Parisian. never had any. Uh, I think to be fair, I think that was Sartre. I think it was him. Well, no, he wouldn't let her out of the house. No, he wouldn't let her out. Of the house. <laughs> that's why she wrote that book. Uh, no. I, I must prefer to be in like Tufnell Park or Belsays Park or somewhere off the north of the river, but South London, it just, yeah, yeah fuck, I cannot. That's to, a very to, good impression. I cannot get to, I have to get the train and it's not the uh, metro and I do not like. Yeah. Although they probably spoke French to each other, not. I do that. English in a French accent. Simone, je ne, je ne veux pas aller. Uh, oh, uh, you're showing off uh, now, Mark. Oui, uh, oui. Uh, 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 Sous de l'Andron, il faut que nous restions au noir. Well, I'm clueless. So, Brenda, so many things to talk about. And it's lovely that you Mm. are, it's lovely to to be talking with you, partly because we have uh, so much history, haven't we, in the comedy world. And also, you are very much South London. I am very much South London. And uh, we go back years, don't we? Hundreds. Hundreds of years. When the alternative comedy do you remember when we used to do started. Yeah, remember we used to do those gigs and you'd be in a little booth and someone would come and watch and they'd have, they'd have to flick a thing and it would just show <laughs> you moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, oh, my God, it was terrible. I mean, I remember um, the... Not having loose in the comedy store, or they were too far to go to. Do you remember? No, I don't people remember that. Would avail themselves of the sink, not oh my god, of the circuit. Yeah. Anyway, best to cut that bit. No, keep that in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, lavatorial, literally. Now, talking of the old days, do you remember there used to be a prime minister called Liz Truss? Yes, the long-serving, magnificent. Yes. Liz Truss. The Truss. Yes. yes. The Truss. You know, like you have Elizabeth. Well, she keeps saying, like, um, that she said, no one told me. And I just think, you're in charge. You've got the highest office in the land. The responsibility <laughs> of is yours. No, it's like Boris and the parties. No one told me. You're in charge. Honestly, it just drives me mad. Uh, what is she saying? No one told her about that. That that, that would wreck that, the pound. That it would tank the that, that it would tank the economy. But loads of people <laughs> and did that she tell would her. Double her. mortgages, and that it would be a disaster. That's what she's saying. No one told me. I mean, have you read the four thousand? No, I haven't actually I, I read it. I felt I too sick. Yeah, I felt too sick, and that sounded too long to um, read it. But, uh, you know, she's taking no responsibility at all. And in that article, she says, no one told me. Right. But in fact, somebody did tell her because I looked it up. And loads there's of an people economist, told her. Loads of, there's an economist called Charles Reed, 
And he, after that article, he put something up on Twitter or something, and he said, no, we did, she was warned, They. she ignored us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then there was a, also, there's a, there's a, Danny Blanchflower, who's a oh, yeah. formerly a member of the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Yeah, I remember him coming on the radio Committee. sometimes, yeah. Yeah, and an economics professor. Mm. And after he read the article, he is quoted as saying, my main conclusion from this is that it is important that trust is never allowed to hold any sort of job that has to do with economics or thinking. Yes, all right. That's, so now, I when someone of his... Of his ilk says that. Yeah. That's the equivalent I mean, of like, any, yeah, fucking keep her out of it. The fucking mental fucking twat. She's <laughs> awful. And then I um, actually Googled, she did an interview the other day after the article with Katie Ball, Balls and Peter Fraser from The Spectator. And yeah. it, you could actually watch the... So I watched about five minutes of it before I couldn't stand. But when you watch her being interviewed, she just seems weird, doesn't mm. she? And it is actually the very word that everybody who worked with her used to say about her. Weird. She's uh, weird. Everybody, I mean, it was quoted and quoted again. Anybody who ever actually had anything to do with her. And I was watching it and I was thinking it's actually some sort of condition, isn't it? I mean, you know, she's got, she's so robotic and heartless. And I just think I've, I've got it. It's Tory deluded zealot twitism that she's got. <laughs> and a lot of people are being diagnosed with it at the moment. It's quite fashionable. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't know what was wrong with me, but it all makes sense <laughs> now. I've got Tory deluded zealot twitism. TTSD. There's loads of them have got it. Michael Gove. They're all being diagnosed now. Jacob Rees-Mogg, Dominic Robb. It all makes sense. They've seen a specialist <laughs> and they're deluded, zealot, Tory. Twit. I won't twit, to be Wouldn't kind. that be amazing if it was actually a condition, if it really was and you could get treatment? Because then there might be some treatment. There might be some treatment. And then in about 10 years, Michael Gove goes, I cannot tell you how I suffered when I would go on the interviews and I believed that I was telling the truth and and they were all doing it and trust and that thank God for this new medication <laughs> medication and you can take yeah, it every day every day yeah. oh if only we'd known when I think how I've suffered all this life every couple of years and I just can't help but tank in the economy <laughs> because um actually this trust's parents are quite left-wing aren't they so they must be so ashamed mm. i mean they must really wonder where they went wrong she's not even a normal tory no she's a sort of ideological zealot do you think they vote for her they can't vote for her they can't just out of loyalty i don't think it could go that far could it if you were left-wing i mean if elliot your was, daughter was a tory if elliot was standing for would you vote for no, him no whatever would... fucking pardon Kim, party was in. <laughs> i got are you mad? <laughs> do you think Elliot's likely to join the Tory party? No, I don't care. I go, what are you doing? Don't, I don't want to know what party you're in. I'm going to vote for one of the others. The fuck? Uh, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Elliot's going to join the Tories, is he? And no, he's going to come weird. home with some secret very, confession very to you. Unlikely. I've got something to tell you, Dad. And you're not going to like it. I think if he went into politics, there's one or two things he said on this podcast uh, that might be brought <laughs> up right. by his by his opponents. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can't do it. Um, you won't be able to do it. It, it is, you're right. There is something really quite 
disconnected about her that almost makes yeah. you think, oh, I tell you what, Liz, you probably need some sort of help. And I, I think that, the, as ever the question with these people, is not, same with Johnson, really, it's not about him. It's about what system have we got that means that people like that end up as the prime minister. The system's yeah. mad. Like if you've yeah. got, some, if there was some crazy person who's up the high street who sits there every day going, "Oh, the earth's flat, you fucking," <laughs> okay, he's there, and you feel <laughs> sorry for him a bit. If he became prime minister, it wouldn't be his fault. There's something wrong with the system, mind you. Having said that, he would be considerably. Better at being Prime better. Minister than either Johnson or Trump. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I mean, it is just entitlement. I mean, it, what's really funny is that Liz Trust does seem stupid. And she, I don't know what degree she did, but she went to Oxford or Cambridge. And I, I'd like to think that that might now uh, sort of make people think about the whole Oxbridge thing, because it is a system that generally gets those people there. And even if uh, some people are state school that went there, which I think she might be, but um, it is a system that is just giving places to people and then telling us that they are superior when she is, in fact, there, there are, she now proves that stupid people go there. I mean, that is, you know, because she's, that is real. She is a zealot, but she's also dumb. Yes, I think there's something extraordinary about being able to have been in politics as long as she has and obviously got to be Prime Minister and yet being yeah. incapable of even looking, uh, of even answering a question at all, of sitting there. So when she was asked, uh, when she said she had full faith in Quasi Quarting, I saw that bit, where, yes, I had absolute <laughs> full faith in him. So the obvious question then was, then why did you sack him? To which she went... Uh, 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 she actually is lost for words always always yeah even if you, yeah in always. every interview in every, in every interview <laughs> she has not prepared she's either stupid and not prepared they ask a quite a simple question that most people could busk and she just stops talking like she's a robot and the batteries have stopped working <laughs> she should go on the uh, yeah 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 so um uh, when this has all gone wrong, she should go on the uh, the chase, and and Bradley <laughs> says uh, so. Uh, uh, there, well, which which Robert uh, which Robert De Niro film featured him as a wannabe comedian? Uh, 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 oh, Liz, that's four in a row. You've forgotten to press the I button. Know. Come on, we want the capital of Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, she does yeah, she does it every time. What come what day comes after Tuesday? Uh, I haven't been briefed on that. <laughs> yeah, I've been briefed on that. I've and sat I, Tuesday. I was a I have been a fan, I have full confidence <laughs> in Tuesday, but I told Tuesday to come later in the week and it wouldn't and now and that is why the calendar has collapsed. <laughs> Yeah, and she starts, yeah, yeah she starts yeah. slowing down because she's, yeah, the yes. batteries or whatever, they, the plugs come out. Now, you did uh, Harry Hill's TV Burt for years, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, a long time, yeah. What was you doing yeah. on that? Well, I was a writer on it with um, Harry and uh, David Quantick, Paul Hawksby and Dan Mayer. Dan Mayer's brother is Mark Mayer. Yeah. 
that must yeah. have been such a loss. So did you just have to look at hundreds of like clips from yeah. EastEnders? It's and stuff? terrible because um, we loved each other, and we'd meet on a Tuesday and Friday, and the meetings were really brilliant fun because we'd laugh our heads off. But what we do in between the meetings is we all had to watch. We all had to watch the same stuff. So we would get it sent to us, come on a bike, right? right? And and then it would. Co- and it, the funny thing is, we used to have. Um, so we'd have to watch somebody would email us and say, Emmerdale's coming. Right. The bike's bringing you Emmerdale. It'd be the whole week of Emmerdale. It'd be five episodes. And there were certain things that we just would just make us lose the will to live. So watching the telly was awful. And then cut, and the meetings were great fun. But I remember once this man came round um, and we got some email saying, Emmerdale's on its work. And the man used to come to me. And then he used to go to Harry's house because we live quite near each other. So the way it always went was that the it, whatever was being dropped off would be dropped off to me. And then the guy on the bike with his helmet and all that would go to Harry's house. So we both knew Emmerdale was on its way. And um, <laughs> and I remember, and you used to have to, we used to have to sign for it to say that we got it. So this bloke knocked on the door and you know, he was on a bike and he came with the Emmerdale, delivered me my five episodes of the, the next week's Emmerdale because we'd get it a week in advance. And I used to have to sign for it, but I knew that like 10 minutes down the line, Harry would be signing and he'd see me. So for a joke, just between me and Harry, because who ever looks at what you sign when you scribble your name? I wrote, help me, <laughs> instead of my name. And... um uh, and so I just thought it'd make um, Harry laugh. It was just a like, you know, personal joke between us. But then the bloke, so the bloke on the bike looked at it and then he looked at help me and he said, my writing's terrible anyway. He said, what does that say? <laughs> and I said, sorry, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, he said that. What does that say? And I said, oh, that. Oh, um, that says help me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, did the SAS come bursting through the windows and that? <laughs> We've recovered five five hundred episodes of Emmerdale, sir. <laughs> but they were a little bit smoky, I'm afraid we lost a couple. <laughs> anyway, we used to hate watching the stuff, and that's why it sort of ended, because we just thought we can't Harry pulled the plug. And I think if he hadn't pulled the plug, we we might all still be sitting there now. In an asylum, uh, maybe. But you have to, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's driving us mad. Oh, it was a, a a brilliant show, as so many things. Everything you've done has been brilliant, Brenda. And so, what are you doing now? What do we look at now? Oh well, I've just written a novel. Are you, you talking? Yeah. yeah. Well, are you talking about me? Yes. I didn't realise we'd talk about me so much. Yeah, it's all about you. Um, you and Liz. Yeah. Well, anyway, to carry on. What were you going to say? Yeah. yeah what's me the novel about? It's. Do you remember the? Um, do you remember years ago there was a novel called Billy Liar by Keith Waterhouse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a film with Tom Courtney. Yeah. So this is a modern Billy Liar, but with a girl, and it's called Millie Liar. And it's set now. So it's very loosely based on that, but it's set now in a sort of working class girl in a rut. She can't get out of her grandmother's house because she can't afford rent, like I'm sure Elliot and my daughter, you know, they just it's a nightmare for them, isn't it? Um and uh so it's set down here, down south, and uh, she's a liar and a fantasist. 
and she's desperate to get out of her awful life. Does so she end comedy. up as Prime Minister? That, ladies and gentlemen, is satire. <laughs> and she does a brilliant job, better than anybody else. <laughs> Brenda Galuli, now we know what the fuck is going on. We do. A lot of people stayed sober over dry January, but now they're once again able to enjoy a glass of wine. But for one man, this did bring to mind a little-known story about Her Late Majesty. And here to share it is the man who witnessed it firsthand, Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chislehurst Palindrome. I mean, I'm not sure how many people are aware of this, but on top of so many talents that were possessed by Her Majesty, uh, you know, she was an absolutely remarkable wine taster. Quite extraordinary. I sort of, I recall that on one occasion we were out in Kenya. I was accompanying her. I think there was some sort of border that she was overseeing that was being redrawn or something. And there was a there was a banquet, of course, to celebrate this particular shenanigans. And <laughs> she said, not only, not only can I identify the particular vineyard in Chile from which this particular wine hails, but I can I can assert that the chap who picked the grapes was left-handed. And you know they went and found this poor sap, and it was absolutely true, quite remarkable. And on another occasion, I mean, there was, I think, uh, President Trudeau of Canada had come over because of some, I don't know, some tomfoolery or something with regard to Canada. And there was a banquet, and she, uh, and she said, uh, she went in that rather insouciant way of hers, and she said, "I, you know, th- there's a bottle of wine that is corked, and the wine waiter came straight over, and of course he was did the perfectly decent thing and offered to shoot himself with the pistol. And uh, she said, no, there's no need to do that, dear chap. I mean, uh, because it's not, it's not one of yours." I can sniff that there is a, a bottle of, of Bataille Poyac Cis from Bordeaux that is corked in Bordeaux. And she went straight out to Bordeaux, saw it as part of her civic duty, you see. And she she found the bottle, and they were so grateful. And they, they said, we might as well keep it. It's no use to us. We only chuck it away now that it's caught. And she brought it back and used it to launch a ship. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and the, the ship she launched was only a canoe, and by the time it got to Tangiers, it was a five-storey cruise liner, because that's how good she was at launching ships. Quite extraordinary. What a remarkable woman she was. Oh, Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant people in this marvellous pursuit for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Also, really know what's going on. For just £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended interviews, bonus sketches. This week, there's George Galloway talking about Happy Valley, and you'll get discounts on live shows, details of which are coming up in a minute. Uh, also, you'll get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait forlornly, sullenly, like a miserable ch- chambermaid locked in their room in Edwardian Britain uh, until Saturday mornings. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. It is the time of the week in which the world stands still for the announcements. In any reasonable, decent society, of course, there would be old 
sort of megaphone things tied to lampposts, like you, the sort of things you imagine in George Orwell's 1984. And uh, there'd be a sort of... <laughs> sort of noise and then everyone would stand and listen to the announcements um, just as people do in the co-op when they're walking around and there's an announcement that the tinned rice pudding is threepence off if you get it before half past four and you buy it alongside a, a tangerine that sort of thing but this week's announcements are the mightiest announcements of all because there are Tickets on sale for a live recording of what the fuck is going on. It's at Leicester Square Theatre on Sunday, March the 19th. Sunday, March the 19th, the day after St. Patrick's Day. I'm watching Damien Dempsey on that day. But I won't be drinking. I shall be diligent and be at Leicester Square Theatre on Sunday, March the 19th. Tickets will be £20 plus the usual booking fee bollocks. Booking fee. Got buying a Twix and then they go, oh, that's another £4.70 for the fucking palaver you've had to go through yourself of picking it off the chocolate rack nonetheless 20 pounds plus the usual booking fee and there are discounts for higher tier patron supporters to buy tickets go to www.lestersquaretheatre.com www.lestersquaretheatre.com don't forget that leicester is l-e-i whatever those uh, irritating english teachers told you with the rule it doesn't work for Leicester Square Theatre. Um, or you can follow the link on our Twitter page. That's the next live show at 7pm on Sunday, March the 19th at the Leicester Square Theatre. Also, if you can't get to the Leicester Square Theatre, but you still want to come and see me do things, I am on tour at the moment in various places. If you go to Mark Steele Tour, you can find that. Where can I tell you about Paynton? If you come to the Leicester Square Theatre and the Paynton show, I, that is too much. I just won't allow it. That's on the 25th of March. There's some tickets for that. There's got, I think, not many tickets left for some of them. The, the, I'll put on an extra date in Bristol. Um, so you can come there in the afternoon. As Jenny Eclair on this very podcast suggested a few weeks ago, we should have afternoon. In fact, it should be just afternoon shows, really, because there's no need for anyone our age to be up after 7pm. Uh, Dundee on the 28th of March and Glasgow on the 29th of March. The tickets have only not long been on sale for those, so there's still tickets for them. Uh, and then and then a load in Wales in April. Newtown, Stourbridge, which I know isn't in Wales, but it's near Wales. Uh, Milford Haven, uh, Cardigan, Carmarthen, all over Wales. Bangor, Monmouth. Jesus, I'm, I'm practically Gareth Bale. Uh, you come to any of but mainly to the Leicester Square Theatre to find out what the fuck is going on. How about that for an announcement, eh? That's put the announcement that the Cuban Missile Crisis has ended in the shade. So, many people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. And that is, after all, the raison d'etre of this of this podcast. For example, Sarah Close on Twitter asks, what the fuck is going on with Rishi Sunak appointing 30p Lee? Uh, now, 30p Lee is this chap, Lee uh, Anderson, isn't it? Lee Anderson, who is the, the man who first of all became notorious because he said that you could make a meal for 30 pence. And so there was, uh, why are people making a fuss about being poor? You can make a good, jolly good meal for 30 pence. Uh, and uh, I suppose you can. You just you go out into the forest and you catch a wolf and you uh, you rub some, uh, I don't know, you, you, you rub, two of your shins together until you get a fire and then you cook the wolf and then you, you, you've got enough there to last you the week, I should think. In fact, I'm not even sure you'd need 30p. Uh, 
he then marvelously this is the guy who's been just appointed as chairperson of the conservative party in uh, in <laughs> to replace the bloke who got fined a million quid for not paying his tax properly so he then is the man who over christmas said uh, that he was watching les dawson on the television and then said uh on social media. I'm watching Les Dawson on the television. You wouldn't get him on the television these days. While he was watching him on the television. Look at that thing I'm looking at on the telly. You wouldn't get that on the telly these days, which means either, I think I said at the time, either he thinks he's not living in these days, he's living in 1971, which might explain why he thinks he can make a meal for 30 pence, or he was going, I'm looking up. No, I'm watching him on me fridge. Uh, He has become the... Prime Minister and Sarah, no, he hasn't become the Prime Minister, that's uh, give it till March. Uh, Sarah Close asks, uh, says, it's like every single Prime Minister has a bet on who will sink the party first. And you're, yeah, you're quite right. And he's, it's, it's not a bad shout. I suppose he's got to keep the crazy people um, sweet, hasn't he? So, because there's a very much a split, it's not a left right split, it's a sort of vaguely in touch with reality long since left that planet split. And you've got to keep, and that's sort of Laura Kunzberger going, now the trouble is some of the long since left the planet people are seeing that there is now a minority of them since Jacob Rees-Mogg has been discarded in the cabinet. And so Rishi Sunak, in order to keep the peace, will have to appoint four or five more people that have long since left the planet to major posts. There is, of course, Archibald Ferdinand, uh, who... uh, who believes that he uh, he actually owns most of the stars in the Milky Way. Uh, there is Norbert Fitzherbert, the man that claims that modern society has been collapsing ever since the Woke Brigade say that pigeons can identify as leopards. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree, Sarah. Uh, I don't know who's going to sink the party first. It'd be quite funny if it's Sunak because he's seen as one of the modern sensible ones. But maybe he'll swap. Maybe he'll cross the floor and be one of the uh, one of the long since left the planet people, and uh, he'll, he'll employ a worm as the uh, min- minister of defence. Chantal Spall, one of our patron supporters, asked, "What the fuck is going on with the Daily Mail today? Now even God could be going gender neutral." Brilliant. This, Chantel says, is Mike Concrete writing copy for them. It's possible even God could be going good. This is because I believe there's various people. I mean, long since, this has long been the issue, isn't it? That you shouldn't say God is he. That does really, I mean, that is pretty sexist, isn't it? To just assume that to a, to a, a point, a male, uh, a male identity to the deity. Why? Of course, I, you know, I mean, I don't mind religion. I'd often say I don't really, I would be religious if you could just get over the fact that there clearly is no God. All the other bits, I don't mind. But if there is a God, why is it a man? Might it be because it was men who wrote the Bible? Or might it be because, no, we have evidence that it was a man who who, who created the sun and the moon and the stars. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, you're quite right. So, God, if they're so, this non-existent deity should be gender neutral. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, uh, so if, God can't very well identify as anything on account of not existing. But uh, if he, she did exist, I suppose we would have to ask him or her what he or she wanted to be known as while they went round, whether they have time for that, while they were fussing about 
running all the galaxies and all our thoughts and answering all our prayers. Oh, fucking hell, now because it's bloody 2023, I've got to bloody tell them what bloody gender I am. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Chantel, you're you're quite right to bring uh, that to our attention. Helen Lister on Twitter, in reply to our request for anything that's made you ask what the fuck is going on this week, suggests, she says, Liz Truss, it wasn't me, but it was me, but it wasn't my fault. Sunak lying about strikes, unions and labour. Nadine and Johnson in breach of Ofcom regs and ministerial code, a bonfire of laws and, uh, and uh, yeah, 30p lead deputy chair uh, and and so on, and many more things. This is all just in one week. Yeah, uh, well, thank God for that. Imagine if everything was just calm and reasonable and nothing made anybody think what the fuck is going on. We would be redundant, and we would then have to do a podcast called uh, It Appears to All Be Sorted, which I just don't – I'm not sure it would – I'm not sure it would work. But thank you very much for bringing that all to our attention. What the fuck is Now, as anybody knows who has ever tried to find out what the fuck is going on, you can't do it without the voice of the semi-youth. And that is why I have someone with me from the semi-youth of my acquaintance, Mr. Elliot Steele. Hello. Hello, uh, 26-year-old. So, yeah, that's what I was going to talk about then. So I went to your old school the other day because mm. there was a, a benefit gig that was organised by someone who's a comic whose child goes to the school. So, uh, of course, right, then, that, that, therefore that person's able to get all sorts of people, up, other comics like myself and Joe Brandley mm. and stuff. And we went and did this benefit. And, um, uh, yeah, so I think that this is the way that schools are going to be funded from now on is that you just have to hope that there's – someone at the school who's got a son or daughter who's a comic, and then they get their mates around and they can do a show. And that's so much more efficient than the old cumbersome tax system that, yeah, let's be honest, can take weeks for the money to come through. But this is much, <laughs> this is much, much better. But this is the thing. So I went up that school many times, as you know, inside the school many times, as you know, usually because you'd been put into the isolation unit for some sort and, of misdemeanor. And because, you, and, and because you're a raging paedophile. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I kept it no, to what. No, no, I'm glad it ended with. I, I'm glad it ended with uh, because you've been put in isolation and not like even after you left. I would just just for the memories, just <laughs> <laughs> drive round, walk yeah. into the school, and just you know. I don't know. Well, it, you know, there's no exactly just because time's passed. It doesn't mean that you should <laughs> give up your old pleasures, does it? <laughs> Mr. Steele, your son hasn't attended here for eight years. Yeah, but you know. You said once once a member of this school, always a member of a school, of this school, so I'm 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 here. Well, all right, let's see if this podcast results in a knock on the door from a Majesty's <laughs> Constabulary. <laughs> and then try going, it was a joke, Your Honor, a joke. A joke. A podcast. <laughs> Okay. Well, leaving that aside, one of my favourite moments of my life was when I was caught. Um, well, this this wasn't, but I was. Uh, I was. I used to nick records from international stores in Swanley High Street. They kept the records inside the covers. Oh God, I shouldn't tell you this. Uh, anyway, I did, and then I got I'm, caught. By the way, I said I'm not fifty. I'm twenty six and can afford things. I don't, I'm not going to steal. No, I know. Like, I, don't, I don't, you know. You, you I, don't I'm want not your, big you, things, but I, I can, know, but, but I'm you not don't want to know this about stuff. your father, do you? 
You well, don't want to know this. Records. Yeah, I don't, you don't want to know that, things like that. that. It's not that mad, is it? Oh, no, all right. So it's then, not like it's like it's kind of pussy, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like you, that's records? your big thing. You stole yeah. Records. Well, oh god, so I'm so sorry that I wasn't caught. In the vault of the Bank of England with a fucking sawn-off shotgun and big Jimmy safe blower fucking explosives, man, that we used to call nit- nitroglycerine Ned. I'm so fucking sorry that it was just nicking records from international stores. Well, it's just, it's just you preface it with you don't want to know this about your dad and it's just well, you, you, you stole a couple of records. More than a couple. Yeah, we, did you start flogging them? A bit. <laughs> so you go in and I didn't want to know this. I I used to have a similar scheme. No, you didn't. I don't want to know that about you. I don't want to fucking know that. I don't want to know that. I used, you, to, you I used to steal from Iceland in Crystal Palace what, and then go into school and shit like that. No, 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 like big packs of penguins and stuff, and then go into school and sell them. No, yeah, you yeah, did yeah. what? Yeah, I go into school and start selling them. For fuck's sake! Just all profit. But, but I'd, I'd got really smart with it. I'd realise if you want to pull off a big heist, you've got to take a little hit. So you you have to, I'd go in with like a fiver, but still like eight quid's worth of stuff. I still do that a bit every now and then, actually. No, when they do, you don't do that every now and again. No. Because uh, I, I, I don't know how you feel about self-service checkouts, but I feel like you're now making me work there. So I'm going to ha- I'm gonna eat a croissant while I'm doing it. Like I, I take a couple of croissants and stuff. That I don't, I don't like. No, we've that, covered that. We've covered yeah. that on here before. I think but, that's fair. But not just going in and swiping a load of penguins and selling them around the school. That's terrible. Jesus wept. Anyway, I remember being in Swanley <laughs> Police Station in the cell at fifteen, and this uh, copper coming in, and and I think, oh Jesus, now I've got me dad. He's called me dad. And my dad's arrived, and I thought, oh my. God, you know when you're that age, you, you, what now? You look back on it and you go, "That's X amount of trouble." But at the time, yeah. you think this is more trouble than you could ever, ever be in for yeah. anything. This is more trouble than you could be in if you if the police come around and confiscate your hard drive. And um, yeah. so I, and then the copper left, and there was my dad, and he went, "Couldn't you have hidden up? Couldn't you have hidden them up your jumper?" And I thought. Oh, my God. He's cross with me for not getting away with it. The concept of stealing mm. doesn't bother him at all. Yeah. What a moment that was. Anyway, <laughs> I am against the concept of stealing. Though I've jokingly said I'm in favour of it. I am a, I am not in favour of It depends why you theft. steal, though, doesn't it? It depends. No, what you the, shouldn't steal things. It's one of the commandments. Just, if you're stealing from a Tesco or something, it's not that big a deal. No, Okay. And like, you know, I'm not, well, I'm not saying you know, easy street starts with her only crime is to be poor, and there's a woman who uh, Chaplin film, and her mum steals a loaf of bread. So yeah, yeah. the other thing I remember about that school because the thing is now this it was a very lovely theatre, you know, it was a beautiful oh, show. Yeah, it's a beautiful. There must have been 250 people in there. I mean, if wow. that was the theatre in the area, you wouldn't complain, you know, for that uh, of that size. It was oh, a really that's that's decent, decent. Because they said they were a performing arts school, but they weren't at all. No, you couldn't do anything there. No, they were like you'd literally. Uh, uh, yeah, they weren't at all. It was basically 
the Brit school for kids who couldn't get into Brit school. Right. Well, you could have possibly got into Brit school, but I went I, to I the... tried to get into Brit school. I'm very glad I didn't get into Brit school. I see him on the train sometimes from Selhurst, and it's very, it's very. Uh, I don't know if you've ever hung out with like if you meet people doing comedy, you sometimes meet comics who you can tell come from a musical theatre background. Oh, right. And I, I don't think there is uh, anything. I'm not against censorship. But I am in that part. I think if you come from a musical theatre background, you should stick to that weird singing you do where you're not really singing, but you're speaking and never be allowed. Everything they do is like, oh, my God, look at this. I'm making a glass of milk. Oh, it's just everything is so theatery. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Have you ever met anyone like that? Like they're just theatery. You can tell they yeah, yeah, went yeah, to theatre yeah. school. Well, a lot of French comedy, comedy was been like that, you know. So that's that, that's yeah. another thing that shouldn't be allowed as well. Well, it's changing now because there's stand-up <laughs> clubs starting. French comedy Paris. shouldn't be allowed. Right. Oh, we we had to hang out with a load of French comedians in the, at this, at this, uh, when I was doing the Kings of France, and we all got on, and then loads of people were like, Oh, we're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the French show, and I was like, I'm not going one because it's in French and I don't understand French, and that's my own incompetence in learning a language that has taken this experience from me. Two, I'm not going because it's French comedy, and <laughs> most of the time European comedy sucks. I've I've told you about the time at Kai's wedding, haven't I? About when the oh, right, the, re- the with the animation team at this hotel were putting on a show, and like me and a bunch of there's like ten comics, and we're like. Like obviously we're gonna go and watch. And they came out in a comedy section in Spanish. They're just like part of the animation team. They came out and pretended to commit Harry Kiri in nappies while doing the eyes, going, Oh, Toyota, Mitsubishi. <laughs> and, and there's 10 comedians at the back of the room, like going, They're doing fucking what? And it's just a load of Spanish people clapping along. <laughs> and one of the most racist things I've ever seen. And that's, that's like that's like what Europe, a lot of European comedy is. It's just, it's like 1970s, 1980s comedy from here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know when they're on. Elliot Steele. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, absolutely, definitely write a review that takes you all day. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, then please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? It's hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Brenda Gillooly and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? was brought to you by WTF Productions.